We are, today we are continuing in the series called Restoration through the book of Nehemiah. And the, the title underneath there is Building Beyond Ourselves. Building Beyond Ourselves. And we, this is the third week that we, we are doing this series. And if you haven't been with us, uh, you can just easily uh, get it on SoundCloud um, or just visit our face, Facebook account, uh, King City, and you will, it will give you the link to the SoundCloud account. Um, so we are, we, today we look, we're going to look at the person of Nehemiah, who Nehemiah is. He was just a cupbearer. Nehemiah was just a cupbearer. I felt compelled just to talk about that, about who Nehemiah was. In, in Nehemiah 1 verse 1, uh, 1 verse 10, if you can turn there. Nehemiah 1 verse 10. The last, sentence, the last sentence of that Nehemiah 1 verse 10 says, For I was the king's cupbearer. For I was the king's cupbearer. And the backdrop of the, the whole story is in Nehemiah 1, uh, in the Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah's brother called Hananiah comes to Nehemiah and tells him that, that uh, tells him that the, the Jewish people and Jerusalem are all in tatters. The wall is broken down, the gate is broken, it's been burned down, and Nehemiah cries for, Jer for, for, for Jerusalem. And as he cries, at the end of his, he goes before God and prays before God. And at the end of his prayer, he, he says to God, I did not start this. He says to God, give me mercy in the sight of this man. Then he says, for I was the king's cupbearer. For I was the king's cupbearer. A cupbearer was an officer of high rank in the royal courts. His duty was to serve drinks at the royal table. Because of constant plots against the king, what would happen is that uh, plot of, of uh, uh, fear of plots and uh, intrigues. Uh, this person called the cupbearer had to be a very trustworthy person. He was a person who had to be vetted by the secret service of that day, by the king's royal guard, uh, to see his political affiliation. And he, he had his family had to go through uh, various vetting processes so that he could get that position. It was not a person just from 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 who just put in the CV and saying, I'm, I'm willing to be a cupbearer. This person had a history of being trustworthy. He was a man of integrity. In, in Genesis 40, the Bible says, talking of uh, Joseph as he's in, the, in Pharaoh's king, in a prison, sorry, uh, he, he, he meets up two men. One is the chief, chief cupbearer, the other is the chief baker. And these men have dreams. Both these men have dreams. And Joseph interprets the dreams of these two men. And the, the one he says, who is the chief cupbearer, he says, in three days you, will, you shall be elevated back to your position. You shall give your, the cup back to the king, to, to Pharaoh. You shall put it back into his hand. But the chief uh, baker, he says, in three days your head shall be taken off you. And the, in three days, the chief cupbearer is at the side of the king or pharaoh at that time, and uh, the, the chief baker, is, his head is taken off. The reason why I bring that story is to show that the pharaoh was not willing to go around and start looking for new chief cupbearers. 
he was willing for a trial to go and, and for this man to be vindicated so that he could reinstate him. A, a cupbearer could not just be an any individual, just any individual. The cupbearer also, his duty, he, he was to guard against poison in the king's cup. So what, 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 was, relied, um, what was required of the cupbearer was that he would take a sip of the wine that the, the king was going, to, was going to drink. And this shows that the cupbearer was a man who was in the forefront. He was a frontline a front person. And this brings me to my first point, frontline. If we're going to be people who are going to build or restore or, re, uh, or rebuild the nation, we need to be in the forefront of things. We need to put our lives in the forefront and go beyond our comfort zone. Because if you just imagine, the cupbearer constantly, whenever he took a sip of that wine, it, he never knew whether that was the end of his life. His, his, the, the, his job description was, his, the risk, uh, the risk uh, level of his job description was always valued according to the popularity of the king. Just imagine if you were the cupbearer of our former president. Imagine, every time you took that cup, you would really be in the front line. And that is what we ought to be, people willing to take the shots for our nation. The front line people. Most people um, live very comfortable. Christians especially, we are very comfortable with our lives. We, we don't pray, we don't read the word, and the enemy constantly comes and is devastating our nation and the people around us because we are fast asleep. And the cupbearer could not be a person who could just easily go to sleep. In Matthew, in Matthew 4 verse, um, in Matthew 5 verse 41, the word of God says that uh, if your friend asks you to go a mile, take him the extra mile. And Jesus is a, is, a, is a typical person who he typifies a frontline person in that he did, not, he did not just go the extra mile. He did not go the mile. He did not go the extra mile. He went all the way to the cross for you and I. He took the shots that you were supposed to take. In Romans uh, 8 verse 7, the Bible says, in Romans 5 verse 7, the word of God says that scarcely would anyone die for a righteous man. Even a good man, one who think about dying. But this, in this we see the love of God. That God, whilst we were sinners, God died for us. Jesus Christ died for us. And right now, we carry the genes of our Lord Jesus. In that we ought to be people that go into the front for other people. And not be comfortable with our own lives. And comfortable with how life is going in Romans 8 verse 20, it says the world is waiting, it's groaning, it's moaning for the manifestation of the children of God. The world, the whole world is groaning, it's moaning for the manifestation of the children of God. The word manifestation is simply people to step out. The world is groaning for people just to step out of their comfort zone. Just to come out from where they, they are comfortable and come out and say, I will make a change in the nation or community that I live. 
in uh, when God uh, put when God made man, He put him in the garden called Eden, and He said to Adam, "Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish." The word replenish means that set back, rewind back to how things were before. We all know that in Genesis 1, the word of God says that the whole world was in destruction. There was nothing in the whole world. It was void. But God was saying, the whole world, I did not create the world to be void or in, in, in turmoil as it is right now. But I created the world in a certain way and the enemy came and, and brought devastation. So I have put you, oh man, in this garden so that you bring a turnaround back to its original. And that is the call that God has for you and I, that we should be people that are putting the whole world back in it, to its original. In Romans 8 verse 21, it says that uh, the, the whole world is waiting for you and I so that it can be given back to the sons of God, back to us. And it's important for you and I to understand that as long as you uh, are fast asleep or as long as you are relaxed, the enemy will always gain ground. And it is our duty as believers to be frontline people. Building is never easy. Rebuilding something is never easy. When, when, uh, when you think of something that is burnt down and broken, it's a hard work to restore it. A physician will never heal a person who is well. And our job is not to do things that, uh, or be comfortable with things that are already fine, but we should cry out like God, cry out for the whole world, for the, for the, for the nations, because building is never easy. When Hananiah came to Nehemiah, Nehemiah asked Hananiah, what is the state of the Jews that have been exiled and Jerusalem? What is the state of the Jews and Jerusalem? And he asked in, in a, an order that uh, I, I really liked, he asked about the people and infrastructure. And our hearts should cry for people, their infrastructure. Why do I bring this? When people ask, most people ask, uh, what, what is Zimbabwe like? Well, our first, our first, we first run to potholes. We run to, uh, back then, we run to the roadblocks that we had. But we never ran to the state of the people. How are the people? Um, I'm always amazed by hearing stories of people who borrow cars from, from uh, someone and then they're involved in an accident. And they call the owner, and the first thing the owner says is, how is the car? Rather than saying, are you okay? Was anyone else injured? They are more interested in infrastructure than the people. So to be a frontline person, you need to be more interested in the people. When God, when God uh, uh, spoke to Cain after Cain had killed Abel, he asked him, where is your brother? Where is your brother? And that is the same question that God is asking us. Where is your brother? Where is the state of your school? Where is the state of your nation? Where is the state of your, your, your classmate or your, your co-worker? Where is the state of your com community? That is what God is asking. 
The second point I have is backline. A backline, Nehemiah as a cupbearer constantly had to be in the background. Simply defined, the backline is the line marking the back of something. In a field of play, it marks the end of the field. Of, of the field. So the backline is something in the background. And Nehemiah constantly had to stand in the background. And uh, this to me, I, I really found interesting because Nehemiah had the privilege, he was a very privileged man. We look at him as just a cupbearer, but he was so privileged in that he was constantly in the presence of the king. Others had to, uh, they had to set an audience with the king, they had to set a schedule, an appointment with the king to see the king. But this man had the privilege to always be with the king. And him being with the king is something that I found quite interesting. Because him being with the king, um, he, he, he gave him uh, restricted information. Information that a commoner should not know. There's certain things that were said in passing and he probably heard them that a commoner should not know. The unique thing about Nehemiah in Proverbs 30 verse 24, in the Bible says that the for there, there are four things that are small in this earth, but they are exceedingly wise. And it measures a spider. It says that the spider you can hold in the hand, or you can find it in the most remote place in the whole world, or in the world, or you can also find it in the king's palace. You can find it in a mansion. You can find it in in uh, the richest person's uh, house, a spider. And Nehemiah, you could find him with the gardens. You could find Nehemiah with the baker. He, one time you would be talking about bread and butter issues. Things that dealt with family. The next time he's in the palace and he's standing behind the king. And as he stands behind the king, he's hearing things that have to do with kingdoms, nations, cities, and people. And that began to mold his thinking. Just, just imagine, as Artaxerxes, as the king of that day, the Persian king, as he called people for a banquet, the type of people that would come for a banquet were the kings that he had overthrown. They were the, lord, the lords or the generals or, or the, the people that were, high, that were a, a, a high level in the nation. And as they are having a banquet, and Nehemiah is standing behind the king, then somebody says, talks about rebuilding a nation or talks about people. And as he spends time with these people, his mind and his thinking is shaped. Friends, the presence you keep will shake you. The presence you keep will mold you. Your dreams can only go as far as the company you keep. Nehemiah could never think about nation building if he was never in the vicinity or the presence of people talking about kingdoms and making decisions for thousands of people. He would still be talking about making decisions for his family. So my encouragement is, if you, you, you watch the company you keep, somebody might already think to themselves, well, that means that I have to keep company with very successful people. Remember, I say, the, the, the thing that made Nehemiah very wise is that you could find him with the, with the gardeners and you could find him with the king. He was a spider. 
That's what he was. He was exceedingly, he was small, but he was exceedingly wise. And the praise that you give will determine how far you go. And I will, right now you may be thinking, well, I have to start making friends with very powerful people. I have a friend that you can make, uh, you, you can become friends with. His name is the Holy Spirit. He created the whole world. He created the whole universe. And when you spend time with the, with the Holy Spirit, He tells you things that are to come. He tells you things and teaches you all things. That's what the Bible says. Not some things, but He teaches you all things. The Word of God in Daniel 11 verse 32 says, Those who know their God shall be mighty and shall do great exploits. For you to be mighty, you need to know the Holy Spirit and be familiar with the person of the Holy Spirit. For you to do great exploits, you need to know the Holy Spirit. I once heard the story of, of, an, of an ant that was crossing the bridge. And as it was crossing the bridge, uh, it realized it would take too long to cross the bridge. And the elephant came, and as it walked, it saw the ant. And the ant asked the elephant for a ride. And the elephant obliged and gave him a ride. And they crossed the bridge. And when once they crossed the bridge and the elephant was going, and the, and, the, and the ant was going off the, ant, the elephant, it said, boy, did we shake that bridge. The elephant thought it was the one shaking the bridge. But whenever you walk with God and you're in the presence of God, you will shake things. Because God, the maker and the creator of the universe, is walking with you. Amen. My last, my last point. Baseline. The baseline. Nehemiah was just a cupbearer, as I've said. He was just a cupbearer. A baseline is is the defined as is the minimum starting point that uh, starting point of comparison. It's the benchmark used to as a foundation to compare one value, a last value, and the current value. So the, what what I mean by that, the world normally uh, compares the compares we compare each other according to the occupation that we hold or the occupation that we're involved in. People will come and ask you, what do you do? And in asking you, what do you do? They already have defined you. They, they put you in a box. They say, this person is of this class. Or that person is of that class. And that's what a baseline is. It defines, or it, it defines a starting point of comparison. And the, and the world is guilty of that. Because... If you really think about it, in Nehemiah you never saw a governor. At the end of the, at the end of Nehemiah, when you read the book, you find that he becomes a governor. You never saw a man rising up in politics, rising up in, in business, rising up in in, uh, in, 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 the, in the social sphere that he was involved in. All Nehemiah was was a cupbearer, and in baseball, the what happens is when when the ball is pitched, you you if you miss the ball, 
you go out and if you hit it, some people can hit the ball, it goes and it becomes a home run. Others can only hit it as far as the first base. Nehemiah was just on first base. There was second base, there was third base, and there was the home. There was home. All I'm just saying is, just because you are involved or you are in a lowly occupation, or whatever occupation you are in, does not mean that you are in an insignificant person. And the one thing, the marvelous thing about Nehemiah is that he put his life on the line for the king. And in, in that occupation or in that job that he did, he put his whole life, his whole life for the person that he was serving. And the Bible says that when we, um, when we do things, we should do them as unto the Lord. And that's what Nehemiah did. He did things as unto the Lord. He served as though you were serving God. He did not serve as though you were serving a ruthless king. That is why Artaxerxes could realize that um, Nehemiah was not feeling well or he was downcast in chapter 2 because he had a relationship that the king respected. And you and I, in whatever occupation you, you, you hold, when as you deal with clients, have respect and honor. As you deal with uh, schoolmates, have respect and honor. As you deal with, with individuals, no matter what, from what, what background they are, have respect and honor for them. Because that is what we, we ought to do. With whatever occupation you, you, you're, you're standing in, stand in that and do it very well. Do it excellently. In 1 first, in first Corinthians 7 verse 20, could we turn there? 1 Corinthians 7 verse 20. First Corinthians 7 verse 20 says, Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Verse 21. Were you a slave when you were called? Do not, concern, do, do not be concerned by it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who has called, called you in the Lord uh, as a slave is, is a free man of the Lord. Likewise, he that was called being free is Christ's slave. You were bought to the price. Do not become slaves of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, they let him remain with God. So what that, what that is saying is, if you are in, in, in a certain job, remain being called in that job. But if you can become better, if you can better yourself through school or better yourself through uh, educating yourself, then do it, avail yourself. But in whatever condition you are in or job you are in, then remain there and serve it, do it as though you're serving God. It is important for us to always remember that in whatever we're doing, we are at the, at the billboard for, for the kingdom of God. The last scripture that I would like us to read is in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 1. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 20, sorry. First Corinthians 1 verse 20. It says, Where is the one who is wise? 
Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the, in the wisdom of God, the world did, did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. I'm sorry, verse 26. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of a noble birth. But God chose that what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even the things that are not to bring to, to nothing, nothing the things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. No one could boast that because I was born of a noble birth or I am in the line of David. No, Nehemiah was not in that line. Nehemiah was just a cupbearer. And that is what we ought to always realize. Let's not get our identity from the occupation or the job that you, you, you currently are in. But let God define us. Let the dreams that we, we hold and the hope, hopes and dreams that, that we carry, let them define who we are. Amen. The amazing thing about Nehemiah is this. Just imagine whenever the king wanted to spoil the other delegates that came. And he sent the servants to hope to bring the, the best wine. Maybe that wine was a hundred thousand dollar wine. This, okay, let's make it cheap. Twenty thousand dollar wine. And he opened it up. The amazing thing that used to happen is Nehemiah was always the first person to taste it. <laughs> that is the amazing thing. He was always the first person to taste it. And I feel that God wants to do certain things in this, in this nation and in, uh, in this community. And for, for him to do certain things, as much as he wants to do it in the community, he wants the Nehemiahs to first taste it. He wants it to do it among. He wants to do it among us, and it is important for us to remember that because God, God will not do anything unless He uses His church, and He takes the people who say, "Yes, I am available. God, use me." Amen. So let me pray, Heavenly Father. I thank you. I thank you, Father, that you are doing things in this in this community and amongst us as a church, Father. And I thank you, Father, there are certain things that you are doing amongst us, Father God, and that you have declared amongst us, Father. Father God, I thank you that you the restoration work is beginning uh, with your people, Father. Even as we, as the Holy Spirit say, that again I will shake the heavens and again I will shake the earth and I will pour out my spirit in the community, I'll spoil my spirits in your in, in the people. So, Father God, you also say that the treasures of of, of uh, the world shall come into your people. And be a Father, I thank you for that. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing that in this time. I sense also the Holy Spirit saying this that there there is a person here probably who has been who has been waiting for a decision to be made. A decision, whether it be uh, some court case or something. I, 
I sense the Holy Spirit saying that it shall come in your favor, shall be done in your favor, shall be pronounced in your favor. And as I sat here, I, I, I sensed uh, God saying, I should just come over this side and just tell the people, someone here, it is well. It is well, this side. Somebody this side, just tell them it is well. Amen.